new for 96 with your hosts Kevin McCauley and Chris Nguyen. On occasion our listeners want to get some good consumer advice about the latest sedan. Mm -hmm. Sedans are all the rage according to internet.com aren't they? That's no. what Ford has changed their entire lineup to sedans. They said they were going to only make sedans from now on. Yeah, nothing but. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, my head really hurts. <laughs> you were attacked by a bird today. Yeah. A sculpture fell on my head. Uh, I have this Curtis Jure sculpture <laughs> in my bedroom. And Weird flex. It's sitting <laughs> on a tulip table next to my bed, and uh, it was adjusted so it was by someone cleaning the house, and I moved it back and the sculpture tilted over and one of the bird's beaks uh, pecked my head as it was falling and it was bleeding. Wow. So now I have kind of a headache, um, but this whiskey should probably take care of that. Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll fix it. As That's what the doctor would I am applying anyway. it directly to my head, or at least near the wound, but not quite on it. <laughs> so that should Just be keep, fine. keep dabbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways. Mm. Hi, Kevin. Hello, Christopher. How are you? Good. All right. Yeah. Are we ready to do this? Mm, Yeah. All right. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of New New for 96. 96. The microphone, much like um, the guard for water fountains, was in my (laughs) mouth. I think I cut that bit out of the last episode. Oh, why? Well, that's why I reintroduced it. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, Yes. So, ah. We haven't recorded in a second, which is a lie. We recorded last week. No, we didn't. We recorded two weeks ago. It was, yeah, with Daniel. Dislovin. 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 Yeah. What, is, what does that mean, do you think? It's like an, the V is instead of an A. Like if you were to turn it, capital A, upside down. That's a little too clever for me. I mean, it's like kind of, I think he was kind of forced by what was available a little mm, bit. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I just started a new like hidden instagram okay yeah that is just like full of porn if you will tasteful nudes of myself (laughs) uh i sent you an invite thanks for following (laughs) by the way you didn't it went to my spam Mm, yeah i guess uh so you've really been generating the fake news lately kevin oh yeah yeah um like gotta keep up with the lamestream media yeah well (laughs) Uh, so you've created a series of photoshops of cars that don't exist yeah. and it started out kind of inside jokey. Yeah. Well, it normally, it's like I, I would Photoshop something, I post it to Twitter and just assume that like eight of my idiot friends would see it. Yeah. But then some of them spread a little bit yes. and, and then all these like normies would get caught in the crossfire and they would and ask like, if is this, this real? Like, uh, GMT 201 van with a BMW yeah. fascia right. is real. Yeah. Which so, is... so it was like a Chevy Uplander with a BMW X7 grill and headlights and stuff. Yeah. And I posted it like, oh, I think this is a weird direction for the new X7 to go. And a bunch of people were like, really? That looks like a crappy GM van or something. Yeah. Like a lot of people took it to be very literally. So then that kind of encouraged we'll me. post some of these. We'll post them on the Instagram. Um, but... I think the last one that you did with the X4 active 
uh, yeah, I gave it the stupidest, um, most BMW name I could. But here's the thing: is that like that one blurs the line, like between what BMW would actually do, yeah. and like just a joke, because right. what BMW does now is a little bit of a joke. Well, so I'll I'll, I'll backtrack just a moment because I, I did a I did after that BMW one. I think someone was like, "Oh, you should." What if there was a sob? of like the gm like the we have a kind of joke with some friends about the this very mediocre chat. minivan that gm made and there was like the terraza and the uplander and there i mean it was like the last minivan they did and no one bought them and they were some people bought them but they were very ugly and stumpy looking yes and uh so it's like what if there was a sob one of those which is conceivable that it could have happened right and yeah, so i, I photoshopped sob died yeah like every gm like there was a gm version of uh, like or every like new sobs are based off of just standard. It's like they weren't even really trying. No, yeah, like it was like the last nine seven X. The nine seven X was based off of a Trailblazer. Yeah, like whatever the platform was for that. But yeah. Anyways, so I took the grill from a nine seven X and put it on a Buick Terraza and changed the color and and I you know I worked pretty hard on the lighting and actually changed the wheels um in photoshop and i posted it like like as if it was a swedish market only vehicle and i said yeah. like oh do you think this would have saved Saab if it had been worldwide instead of just in the swedish market and a bunch of people really Kevin, latched onto this you are a published automotive journalist <laughs> and they trusted you they did yeah and now you'll never earn that blue check that's true that's true so off the list you go so i was i was looking for something and i found a picture i thought it was pretty remarkable that in 2007 audi actually had like a q5 cabriolet I like real concept car that concept was car. when you like, I don't know if you reposted that or... I tweeted it because I found pictures. I was searching it. for something else and it came up in Google and I was like, is this real? And it was like enough pictures. And I... And, and I forgot about it. Like, I'm sure I saw it at the time. I thought that was one of your photoshops. Yeah, like, well, so first. did Daniel. Daniel uh, Sloan was like, is this one of your stupid photoshops? <laughs> and I'm like... See, and I was just like, just watch because there's a BMW version coming all because of his tweet. It was aimed at him. Now... And... Yeah, now we don't know what's real, Kevin. We don't know what's real. And so. I want and I wanted to give the BMW X4 I wanted to give it the the dumbest most BMW name possible. So we brainstormed. But here's the thing is that like you brainstormed except that you took the BMW formula and you made like and Daniel Golson applauded you for using <laughs> all the terminology correctly, all like five or six So words. what was the name? I think it was it was, so it was a, it was, keep in mind, it's an X4, which is their coupe SUV small mm, one yep. based on the X3. It was the X4 convertible. So I said BMW X4 M er, Active Roadster. That's one word, capital A, capital R, uh, M40i. And then I said concept, which you brightly you pointed out they wouldn't do. M. Yeah, M40i. M, okay, yeah, you did it right. Yeah, because okay. initially I said X4M because I thought I was... I yeah. thought I was. I thought my source image was the X4M because, like, but because I don't wrong. care, it wasn't, and yeah. I'm unable to tell the difference. I'm very proud of that. But you were corrected. <laughs> I, by I think, I think I was corrected by Daniel. I did not get. I think I was corrected by Daniel Sloan or, no, or someone. Golson, I think Golson maybe uh, corrected you. What are you doing? I'm this. Every time I move the mouse, our list of topics moves further off screen. <laughs> And I don't know how to get it back. Okay. Anyways. Um, yeah, so that was like the most accurate one that you have ever made. And it I is... think the Saab one looked 
pretty convincing just because it was mediocre. Um, this is true. Like, uh, kind of, but that's exactly what the 97X basically looked like. It was like a sob face grafted onto yeah. a standard GM truck body. Right, right. So this was in line. Like, maybe it would have had, like, uh, you know, that wraparound rear glass that sob wagons and SUVs. That, the sport combi? Yeah, the sport combi. You could have done that. Oh, you could have made it. Okay. Is it dumb to make an Uplander coupe? <laughs> with sliding doors? Oh, with sliding doors somehow still? It's a short wheelbase coupe. Yeah. This is a good idea. I mean, this is a good idea. It's going to look like an Aztec. Because Golson would really hate this. Yes, yes, he would. And that's the most important and thing. And isn't that the, the goal? <laughs> um, so you were just at Monterey Car Week. Yeah, I've got a, a little bit about this. Yeah. Um, a I bit to, like, is it going to be like a, a stand-up routine or what? I mean, you wouldn't have put this brick wall behind me if it wasn't. Nope. nope. Um, no, I've got, I've got a little bit, a couple of things. Cause it's not really one topic. It's like 10. Yeah. Um, but car week, uh, happened and I was there shooting for Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went out to San Francisco and it was a great event. I was in San Francisco for a couple days, shot the Genesis yep. G70, like around, um, Twin Peaks, like I actually got up at dawn and actually yeah. like lucked out with like amazing spent, uh, sun sunlight and weather and everything. Spent the week with friend of the podcast Jeff Jablanski. That's right, that's right. Uh, Jeff, by the way, like he needs to come on, and he he's he got does. more he's got more characters. He's got voices. He's got he's, he's got, got some, voices. Some good ones. Well, you thought this was a car podcast, but <laughs> no, 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 it's car related. But um, so uh, we were. We got to, we, they did like a private tour of the SF MoMA, which I, I shot, I was there like shooting the, you know, the guests of Genesis, like taking that in and the executives and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it was a lot of fun and then went down to Monterey. So, so car week, um, cause I'm not even sure if you're like entirely familiar cause it's just a lot of car. It just seems like a lot of cool cars in this I know one concentrated of, place. Like the banner events that go on. Yeah. So it started, I mean, it started in like 1950 or something. Yeah. I think I made a note, um, with the. Uh, yeah, 1950. With the, there was a concours and there was road races at Pebble Beach, and then I think there was some deaths or something. So they <sighs> they built Laguna Seca Raceway yeah. in like '56, and uh, and then they started having the races there, and then it's become this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, where dozens of events have spawned around it, and yeah, people go there, and it's when it was very insane. Uh, Monsanto Laguna Seca or whatever '50s kind of. Brand. What is a fifties brand that would have been attached to that? <laughs> Acme. Acme. It was. Yeah. Uh, the weird thing about Laguna Seca is it's like completely surrounded by army land with live yeah. uh, munitions like in the ground. Like Aww. it's like do not go. Well, that adds to the challenge. Off. Yeah. I mean, it's it's surrounded by that. It's all fenced off. Like yeah. you wouldn't wander accidentally into a live minefield, but yeah. if you crossed a fence, you would. Oh, excellent. Um, so uh, many events. The it all kind of leads up to the. Pebble Beach Concours d'Elegance, which is my least favorite, least favorite event. Yeah. Um, well, it's yeah, it's it's just like pristine, like immaculate old cars, old like pre-war cars. And stuff. Yeah. I do appreciate. I appreciate. Yeah, and there's I, nothing wrong with I, it. I appreciate of the course. craftsmanship yeah. and just how unique they are and how you'll never see them anywhere else like this. But you'll never see them like this. It's, but it's it doesn't feel like it's for me. Like the, I have so little knowledge about yeah. them and so little connection. So yeah. when there's a row of like. Mura's out there as like a special class. I'm like, ooh, finally something for me, like something yeah. I can appreciate. Yeah, but like a like a Duesenberg 
69, whatever right. this might be. Right. Like, while I can admire it as this neat, complex, like, kind of steampunk yeah. design, I have no idea how to tell that between, like, between that and, like, a 40s, 30s Bugatti or something, say, right. for instance. But I would actually like to, you know, as soon, yeah. as, I, <laughs> as, soon as I fill up my head with enough useless uh, information about cars that I like, I will move on to uh, <laughs> that territory. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely would like to have more of a connection to that. It's just hard to retain yeah. it if I'm I not think like the pedantry in... involved with that might even be like far worse than the stuff that we're. I mean, into. I think we're getting away from that. I think it's just like just appreciate them now, it's just for as what they are. Yeah. And, and I think I I think it's such a dwindling. It doesn't seem like it when there's five thousand people on the lawn at the Concours, yeah. you know, ogling these things. But I think it is such a small group of people that really like appreciate those cars that right. it's like, oh, if you're into it, like, I think it would be. It's probably not universal, more... but I imagine that there is a certain uh, age demographic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing, the whole the whole week. It's, yeah. Um, it's old people and like teenagers with cameras. Yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, it's crazy. It's it is like a. But so for these few days, it's like a mm. fantasy land where, because growing up as a kid, I always, I always loved, I know you always loved your Toyotas and things. I always loved Ferraris and Lamborghinis, yeah. like of that era. I don't really go nuts for modern stuff these days. But right. when I was a kid, like that was just, I just love the design, the appeal and everything. And I would, I would always, I mean, I continue to move throughout the world where I'm like, maybe at the next intersection, there will be some random red ferrari yeah. parked there and I when like you're in monterey you it is paralleled your interest with my interest in toyotas like ooh, did you see that tercel over there Pristine. no you because you go out of your way to say how you're like not interested in supercars and stuff but i've i've always just you're loved mistaking this. someone else in our group chat okay i've but i'll but also true yes <laughs> i mean i just i've just always been yeah. drawn to like exotic cars in that sense currently not yeah. as much but um hey, i one of my dream cars when I was like 12 was like a 456 GT. Uh, yeah, that's great. Those are great. <laughs> a. <laughs> <laughs> the one with the, the GM three-speed automatic. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, but yeah, for those few days, for these like four days around Monterey, it is every, you know, around every corner is something insane. Like yeah. seeing two F50s driving down the street or oh, yeah, whatever. Totally. Well, yeah, just that they're street parked and you like yeah. almost a, as if you're living in this fantasy land where like cars that should be hermetically sealed are right. just street parked. Yeah. People shift their stuff out there and drive it around. And so the first, uh, when I got to Monterey, mm -hmm. uh, we had like a, there was like a Genesis drive down to Half Moon Bay, mm -hmm. shot a bit of that, had lunch. And then I went down to Monterey in a lot of traffic. Yep. Um, Immediately, I went downtown. I had to go to dinner later, but I went downtown, yeah. and I had to see the RM auction so I could see the McLaren F1 that was being auctioned, uh, which has the high downforce kit and the LM engine. It was that gray one um, at the RM auction. Ooh. So I saw that. So that's the 11th F1 I've seen. Okay. Um, Did you get the chassis number? Uh, yeah, it's on another list, but I think it's number 18. Okay. But um, Kevin, uh, if you do not know, uh, <laughs> keeps track of every mclaren f1 chassis uh number that he sees so that he knows which one he has seen because uh there are only how many 106 106 um street cars okay well you know who's, you'll know who's crazy now huh. because not five minutes later yes it paid off because i was walking back to my nissan frontier rental car yes and 
I, in one of the most surreal moments of my life, yeah. a white McLaren F1 with the high downforce kit just Whoa. up is coming towards me. Like I'm on the sidewalk yeah. at, n- near an intersection, and it just drives down. And then the most bizarre thing is it it almost comes to a complete stop right at the corner I am. And I realize after after this that he was he was maneuvering through like the gully in the intersection. He was he was oh. slowing down to take just the crown of the road. Oh wow! At low speed because this is the high downforce kit also. Yeah. So um, the bits are like close the, to the ground. Yeah. So it it's got the big splitter and everything. So he makes that makes the intersection and then just continues on. But he had come to a complete stop almost wow. right by me, and I was like, "Oh, that's number fourteen. That's actually the second F one I ever saw." Whoa. And actually, I do have a story about that car. Yeah. Which is that my friend Ryan in. Uh, uh, who I, I did visit later in the week, mm-hmm. uh, he he used to work at Laguna Seca, and at the same RM auction, that car was auctioned in 2006. Yeah. And it was yellow, and it didn't have the downforce kit. Yeah. Oh, so it was added. And yeah, so, so it's very common with a McLaren F1 huh. when they change hands, where you send it back to McLaren, yeah. and you say, you could basically order it like you were ordering it new. Yeah. Like, I want it to be green with this interior yeah, so i will come to the factory you'll fit me for the seats i'll pick this they'll strip it down basically they'll do, yeah they'll just refit it like new yeah. for you that's crazy um i mean you're already paying enough for the car it's right. already it's but already making a half million dollars a year in your garage paying your what's nuts about that though is just that mclaren will do this i mean obviously for a price i'm sure but you you're not paying mclaren for the car you're paying like a private party for or a dealer or whatever for the car and then you can send it back to mclaren this 20 nearly 25 year old car yeah uh back to mclaren and they will they will work on it as if it were a brand new mclaren being sold and customize it like accordingly which, yeah i mean that's what they've always done insane. like they're the only they're the best people yeah. to, to touch these cars and and <laughs> yeah they will they will break out their compact presario yeah. laptop frasers computer and tune it accordingly but i mean like they're make the car probably earns a half million dollars in appreciation a year even though it costs you uh what was the figure from that one uh i think it was it was a a video yeah it was a video a couple years ago it was it was a large amount just to do basic things like get tires or Or a fuel cell yeah basically just because the fuel cell expires which i guess they all do but also just the tires obviously don't last and so anyways we won't get into it but yeah um but 2006 so the car probably was eight million dollars then something like that i mean it might have been five or six it was it was significantly less already astronomical but now we'll we'll find out when i edit this i'll look it up because it's probably in the archives but so that car um i the following year i lived in new york and i went to a concours Mm -hmm. on long island and the same car was there and it was mm-hmm. in its current form, which is white with the high downforce kit and everything. Mm-hmm. And the driver opened the door and Lewis Hamilton had signed the door jam. Whoa. Cause and Lewis Hamilton was a rookie then. And yeah. now he's like one of the greatest of all yeah. time. So that yeah. was pretty that is cool. So it's yeah. very cool. Um, but yeah, a lot of cars around. I got, I made it out to Laguna Seca, which yeah. is probably my favorite place. Had they the taken universe. down your logo? They have taken design? down all the logos. Mm. They even like, they even, I've never seen a place so aggressively manage the geotags. So, oh, geo, really? so you cannot find a geotag that's not on Instagram. That's not WeatherTech, Weathertech Raceway, <laughs> Floormat Central. I mean, they paid like a good thousand dollars for that. So they, their deal from what I know is that they do not, their support level is not nearly what Mazda's was. I, 
am not surprised by no measurable like metric. I'm just not surprised for some reason. So they have the money. I mean, clearly, their owner yeah. bought a GTO for seventy million dollars. Jesus, last uh, year. Yeah, I mean, but they bought they bought the naming rights to uh, a an, an entire racetrack. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a shame that yeah, not that involved. It's yeah, it's. I mean, I, I do think it does. Not having a manufacturer tied to the track maybe maybe opens up the track to other mm, opportunities with yeah. other manufacturers. Like you're more likely to have. Uh, Lexus, or well, Lexus is the car partner. So that's yeah. a bad example. You're, you're yeah. more likely to have another car manufacturer come in for events. Sure, sure. If it's not, yeah, because they don't have to so advertise it Mazda. like as you know whatever a BMW event at right. Mazda Laguna Seca. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that makes sense. But um. Yeah, there was some EB one tens. Uh, saw an SLR on the road. Nice. Uh, one of the coolest cars was the the Zonda. C12 oh. at the Concord. It was on the concept lawn and it was because it's the 20th anniversary yeah. of the Zonda. Yeah. Uh, and the Zonda is just one of those cars. I just never thought I would see in America because they were never sold here. Yeah. And I, I'm not a fan of the Huayra. And then I'm I, not saw, either. I saw a Zonda two years ago and yeah. it was, I had to write down the name. Yes. It was the 2017, mm-hmm. you know, so like six years after they stopped making the Zonda, they made a Zonda yeah. called the HP Barquetta. And I always think of like the uh, there's like a line in Pulp Fiction where he's like, oh, what do you you know, what do you think about Trudy? She you know, you want to hang out, get high. And he's in Vincent's like, which one's Trudy? The one with all the shit in her face. And he's <laughs> like, no, that's my wife. But that's the that's that Zonda that I saw. It was just all this shit all over it. Like oh, it man. had wheel spats and little Ew. things attached to no, it all over. It's uh, very, very bad. But I, um, yeah, Zonda's. But, but the base, the normal pure one, like the 99, yeah. was so cool looking. That is very cool. Uh, Actually, very that one is very see. cool. And then when they moved on from that to just trying to top themselves, it did yeah. not really work There's out. There's a taste barrier that I just can't get yeah. past with a lot of this stuff. But yeah. um, it was exciting to see that. That was cool. What else did I see? The 2F50s. I saw a new Boxster Spider. Oh, cool. Uh, I saw that new Yellow Bird. Yep. And yep. an old Yellow Bird driving around. Yep. Uh, many... Conic Sigs and Huayras that are not not mm. not for me personally. Mm. Uh, I saw the Roof CTR threes. Nice. I saw the Carbros Enzo oh. kit car, which was the coolest thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. If, you, if the Carbros YouTube channel is yep. very hilarious, and seeing seeing this car, it was it it was the most exciting thing. Yeah, <laughs> that is. It was so cool. I drove past it and I like gave him a thumbs up, and he laughed. Yeah, um, it was, but it was the guys. Um, very nice and. Uh, Porsche brought to Laguna Seca, so I saw. I, I went to Laguna Seca. I saw uh, Dave, uh, who was works for Porsche mm-hmm. PR. Yep, you uh, just saw the, a few yes, weeks ago. Yes, yeah. And uh, Porsche brought a '99 GT3, six point one, which we That's never got. Cool. And they were just driving around. It had and it had the Stuttgart plates. Whoa! And they were just driving I'm... it to and from the track. Oh, like not on public roads. Yeah, on public roads. Oh. But I think it's just like a... Mm, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so there was a ProDrive Ferrari 550. Like the Ferrari 550 that competed... Like the type that... One of the ones that competed at Le Mans was yeah. there as like... Just now it's like a track day car. And it's wow. so cool. That's cool. It's, it's incredibly cool. I yeah. posted it to our Instagram. Um, and then the Citron BX4TC that Daniel was just talking about. I don't know if it was the same one, yeah. but there's not a lot of them, but it was auctioned at the Gooding auction. Yeah. Uh, I went to the Gooding auction on Friday night, saw some cars. Uh, a lot of the sales were down. 
a lot of everything was kind of down. Really? Um, like maybe 15, 20%. Damn. This car, which was estimated at 80 to $110,000, went for 61. Oof. Um, Yikes. And uh, so it was, it was a good time. That's cool. I, don't, I like the idea of uh, this as, I mean, it's many events uh, strewn together, but because mm-hmm. we, when we go to events, it's usually very topical. Yeah. Uh, and this is just everything and everyone, and it's just all in one place. And you just, it's just, it's car heaven, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah. everything is there. Yeah. So Genesis had rented they they for the past three years evidently they've rented a house that's like, uh maybe like a half mile from Pebble Beach or like a quarter mile from yeah. the from the actual like entrance yeah which is really nice because yeah. you could go there and park because everyone you know usually you take buses and shuttles and yeah. every year in the past this is like my fifth Pebble Beach it's taken it's always takes like an extra hour longer yeah. than you think to actually leave because you don't know where the right bus is yeah. going to actually be and stuff so it was kind of cool to just park at this house with this beautiful view yeah and walk to the golf course yeah that's, uh, that's that was pretty nice. cool that's it was like, very cool it's like my luftgekult uh yeah exactly parking. like that luftgekult. uh exactly yeah um i parked so, in patrick dempsey's <laughs> so yeah so uh pebble was sunday i shot Pe- genesis i will say they brought the mint concept mm. um which was really cool to see, and yeah. I got to hang out with the designer whose name's Arseny, and he's a Russian yeah. from, and he lives in Germany where their design studio is. Wow! And he was really cool, and he was, he we would just like you know shoot the shit and talk about car designs, and yeah. he would he was showing me, I I don't want to give too much away. Maybe I'll bleep his name. No, it's already it's already known. <laughs> it's already I don't there. know. It's I, won't, I, won't, I, won't, so. I won't repeat things that he's talking crap about. Oh he he God. would show me a car like at the quail. He's like, yeah, I see like this aspect this looks good from the side but then when you look at it from this angle it's very not thought out and yeah. i would be like i don't know if i would notice that you know it's like That's it's so, like a yeah it's not just a design mind but it's like a surfacing mind right. where it's, it's designers are looking 3D. for slightly different things it's 3d which like you know you and i uh we work in kind of a 2d environment at least on mm-hmm. the graphic design side on the interior side i do work in 3d but i think cars are just so Different. Right, right. Yeah. He did tell me that in Europe, Volkswagen has some facility in Barcelona and they like every month will ship like all these full size car models to an like a, a courtyard in Barcelona where it's always sunny or not yeah. Barcelona in Spain and they'll have all their designers in Europe like just come out there to like look at them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um so that was cool. And then uh, I was a total jackass to a security lady at Amazing. Pebble Beach. Amazing. Um, Not a was, surprise. Yeah. It was, there was a bag check and I had gone in. The thing is the thing, because we had gone really early. So mm-hmm. I, there was a bag check and I didn't, uh, I didn't get checked initially. Yeah. So then I had left to shoot more pictures of the mint concept, which was on the Pebble concept yeah. lawn. And I come back and she's like, I need to see your back. And I've got, so I've got my backpack and I've got two cameras like over, my like around my neck so i have to take off the cameras and all this stuff and i was just such a jackass i said Uh like oh like i I opened the flap on the camera with the memory card i was like oh do you need to see in here too and she just like went with it and she was like well i don't think that's enough for a dillinger so i think that's fine and i was like oh my god i love this lady because she was just riffing with me like i was so i was so horrible also it's a derringer (laughs) whatever she probably said the right thing and i probably made a note of the wrong thing because i didn't realize you were such a gun fanatic i am not but like i hate guns but like uh 
a, a Derringer is the only thing I would ever consider because it's the only thing I could probably handle. It's a Pearl and Lay <laughs> revolver uh, that it can fit into the um, the uh, into my girdle. <laughs> into my <laughs> what is the thing around your the garter? Holster. I, around my garter. Oh yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so you have to see her manager as you do at every restaurant. I mean, it's the only way to ensure that you get good service, <laughs> yep. as far as I'm concerned. So um, they, at Pebble Beach, I actually learned a little bit this time about how the judging works and everything because one of the assignments I had for Genesis mm. was their designer mm-hmm. uh, named uh, Sangyup Lee. Mm-hmm. He it's a very interesting story because he came from Korea mm. and worked for GM and designed like the 2010 Camaro and yeah. designed, then he went to Bentley and out and Volkswagen and designed the, I think the Bentayga and maybe yeah. the new continental. And he now is leading Genesis. Oh wow. Um, and he was an honorary judge and they have 50 honorary judges. Oh wow. I think it's 50. They introduce them all, and it's yeah. like really you. I so I usually don't pay attention. I'm usually gone by the time they do this yeah. because I usually go for the morning and take off. But I shot pictures, so I shot pictures of him judging, and then hit the announcement where it's like he's the judge. So it's a really cool honor to be a judge at Pebble Beach, and he was really imagine. excited to do this for the first time. Um, so I got photos of him judging. He 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 was tasked with judging uh, a section of Zagatos, which was. Ooh. Very cool. There was like a Lamborghini Zagato that looked like it looked Ferrari esque from the sixties. That yeah. was really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was great. So he told me about he was very friendly, very nice. And he told me a little bit about uh, you know how it works. Like there's there's twenty groups of judges, and they each pick a winner, and then all of those winners are nominated to be the overall winner of yeah. the event. So. You know, the, there's a winner of the Zagato category, and then that could potentially win overall. Um, so they revote on that. So it was cool. But some of the judges, because I, I, I watched from like the very front center to get yeah. pictures, I watched like them announce all the judges. Yeah. Uh, Mark Weber, who I saw around, uh, Nick Mark Mason. Weber. Yeah, Mark Weber. Nick Mason, uh, Kaznori Yamauchi, who's the designer of Gran Turismo, like yeah. the creator. Uh, Gordon Murray, obviously, we'll get back to that. Uh, uh, saying up, uh, Stefano Domenicali, who was a uh, he was the head of Ferrari, mm-hmm. uh, Formula One team for a number of years, and I think now he might be at Lamborghini. Uh, right into the mic there, uh, Stephen Winkleman, who former president of Lamborghini, who now works for Bugatti. We might be able to get him on the podcast. Wait, really, Jeff? Yeah, <laughs> um, Valentino Balboni and uh, Ralph Gills, who I had a nice conversation oh, with. Oh, you really? He yeah. follows you on Instagram. Yeah, I told him that. He was like, he, you know, we, we had a quick change. I said hi, you know, and he said he loved my page and liked my work and stuff. And so Sorry, I meant like, to say he used to follow you on Instagram. Oh, no, there's someone else I could talk about that that's the case. But um, uh, I saw uh, Shaheen, our listener. Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw Steve Ewing very briefly. And I saw Tom. Uh, Testarossa Tom. Oh, Testarossa this Tom. Is, I was actually boasting about this the whole time because I didn't realize his Testarossa was actually in the quail. 
It's Wait, extremely prestigious. What? That's so it's cool. It's so cool. I mean, there's no other car. He's, there's no other car that's been in Radwood and yeah. been in the Quail in the same year. And like he, we drove up with him. Yeah, like nicest, in a convoy. Coolest guy. We had. We, he has a the Monospecchio. Yes, yeah. he has a single mirror Testarossa. Yeah. Cool as hell. Very cool. Uh, it was in the Quail, and so oh, he had cool. a very cool week. We were touching. We we kept connecting a little bit mm-hmm. and trying to meet up or something or get a beer. But it yeah. was just it was it was pretty crazy. I did see him at Pebble, and we talked, um, but. Uh, he was having, like, I was having a pretty good week experience. Yeah. Like, uh, just coming in, getting to go to the things. Yeah. Like, uh, he was living, like, an entirely different experience where he was at everything and had a car in this. Yeah. And was probably in a different circle of uh, fun. But, yeah. uh, so, it's good on him. That was, that was yeah, cool. So yeah, that's very cool. It was great to see him at Pebble. Um, great dude. Just really cool. So, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to talk to him. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Meet up with him and get, him, and get has- him on here. Like a mysterious stable of incredibly cool cars. And yeah. there's suddenly a, like a new cool thing. Yes. We'll see. Yeah. So five seconds before I saw Tom is when I talk, is when I saw Gordon Murray. Mm-hmm. So I had brought. Oh, you're. Uh, I brought my, the radio delete. Yeah, plate, yeah. Which is very much the ethos of Gordon Murray. Now I know I don't have him McLaren or anything that Gordon Murray has any connection to, but I decided yeah. I have gotten my photo with him twice. Yep. I, he's like my ultimate car industry of hero. Of course. And I thought I'm going to have him sign a piece of my car. Yeah. Well, it's actually a new I bought a new radio delete okay. plate for this purpose and a silver Sharpie. And I just happened so I saw him twice yeah. walking around and I and he was judging. He was working. I was mm-hmm. like I'm not going to bother him. So then the third time I see him, he's walking down a long road back to the lodge. Yeah. Uh so I was like and he's walking he was t- walking with someone, not even talking. Mm-hmm. Just walking. Yeah. And so I walked over and I said, uh, Mr. Murray, can I, you know, kind of bother you for a second? He's like, of course. He was so nice. And I said, yeah. could you sign something for me? And I pull out of my coat pocket, like a, a piece of this interior. It's like a, a silver plastic Sharpie. rectangle. It's a plastic rectangle and a silver Sharpie. And I said, please sign right here. And yeah. I said, you know, congratulations on the success of the T50 and everything, which is new supercar. Mm-hmm. But um, it, I was on the fence about actually doing this. Yeah. But a, just a couple days before the, uh, the event, mm-hmm. There was some news about the T50, which is his new like mm-hmm. McLaren F1 successor car. Yeah, and he had said the quote. He said the gearbox is a six-speed manual. It was going to be a paddle shift at the start. I thought there was probably not many, not many people who wanted a manual, but actually a lot of buyers for the T50 drive old manual Porsches at the weekend. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I feel like there's like some connection. He's had yeah. 911s. Um, I'm sure. He actually wanted the McLaren F1 startup to have a similar 911 startup sound quality. They actually designed how the firing order is. Oh, really? On start based on that. Uh, I maybe we'll find that. But um, yeah, so that was extremely cool. So he was extremely nice. I think he was a little surprised. And so next time I see him, I'm going to say, hey, I'm the guy that had you sign my radio delete plate. Radio delete plate, <laughs> which he famously didn't put a radio in the McLaren F1. Yeah. It had a CD changer, yeah. no radio. Yeah. Um, so that the light, was... The lightweight, like, Kenwood, like, uh, CD changer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, this cord is stuck here. Oh, anyway. Oh, so, my God. At Laguna Seca, I did have a weird anecdote with very cool anecdote mm-hmm. with this lady. She was really drunk. Yep. And <laughs> she was she was this middle aged lady, and she's like, "You should you should learn about you know you've got a aren't you interested to know more about this Jaguar?" And it was this like you know perfect E type race car. Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And she's like, "This is my brother's car," and he 
like came home from the hospital in the back. Like I I was drawn to the car because the rear hatch was open. Like yeah. you know how it opens to the side, mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Like yeah. so the hatch was open. It's up on jacks and stuff. And she's like, my brother came home from the hospital with his parents, like in the back. In like a, a car seat in the very so back rolling around of like this a, E-type. Yeah, rolling log. around. And, and she said that he rode in the back as a kid, like across the country and stuff. Yeah. And then he, the car's been in the family for three generations. And yeah. now he's racing it. And That's cool. uh, it was really cool. It was super interesting. She was wasted. You make it sound like she was holding one of those like plastic flutes full of alcohol. <laughs> Or the like four foot plastic margarita. That's the one, thing. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, so I, I think I was in. I I went to the Porsche hospitality. Dave mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, go in and get something to eat." So I walk in and I see, I see Jorg Bergmeister, who is one of the factory drivers for Porsche. They yeah. won Le Mans this year. Yeah, nine eleven RSR, and. It was the weirdest thing where I've never met the man, but I've like seen so many pictures of him and I've seen mm. him at various things like this. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at him with instant recognition. Like we were old friends. Mm-hmm. Like from across the room, I looked at him and he looked at me like, and I think he must have thought like, like, oh, that guy knows me. I should yeah. at least pretend I know him. Yeah. And he waved at oh, me man. <laughs> and I waved back and that was it. That it was a weird That's moment, so but it was so I, weird. <laughs> I know people who are really good at that. And one of my, this is a kind of a side note to this, but, uh, one of my favorite Jeff Goldblum stories is that there was this guy who was at a party and his friend knew Jeff Goldblum and decided to introduce them. And the guy was a writer, uh, and Jeff Goldblum walks up and is like, uh, they introduced themselves and Jeff was like, my God, yes, of course. And then throughout the rest of the evening, he saw Jeff Goldblum introduce himself to every single person. My God, yes, of course. <laughs> and I think that's so amazing. And I'm going to do that at every dinner party. I that is to. amazing. Anyways, continue. Words to live by. Uh, last thing from Laguna Seca and pretty mm-hmm. much the weekend was I, it was, it must've been Saturday I, I went to Laguna Seca like very late in the day, both days. Yeah. Like basically the racing was almost done yeah. and I just came to like look for light and shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had kind of busy days, both days. It wasn't, there wasn't a Genesis function at the track. So mm-hmm. uh, the end of the day, racing stops at 6 p.m. on Saturday and then another car goes on track because they do sometimes like private, like not mm-hmm. private, they do like demos and stuff. Yeah. So I'm by this like wall by the in the pits and i asked this guy like a random guy i'm like what because people are lining up to watch mm. whatever's on track and i was like oh what's out there what's, what's yeah. on track because it was loud and fast and he's like oh the audi uh the new r8 gt2 like concept mm. and without thinking and without hesitating i was like oh i already i just saw that car driving at spa <laughs> oh my god because <laughs> like, they did a demo with that at spa like you're that person ago. i was that person it was, it was great and now i'm that person again by sharing that apparently anecdote. jesus um but uh yeah i think that is most of it i did get to go to san francisco mm-hmm. on the f- i had an extra day yep at the end so i went up to san francisco to visit my friend ryan mm-hmm. on monday and he was like, do you want to, he's like, we could go up to like Marin headlands, um, and just like get a drink up there. Like, go to, like just walk around the beach or something. And we took his NC Miata nice. and drove on like a really incredible road. It's yeah. pretty, it's pretty cool how close, you know, we, we went over the golden gate and then yep. we're on this amazing road, super twisty. It was, uh, they have like such good roads up there. Yeah. And that NC Miata is so good. I mean, yeah. I've driven them before, but I just forget how good that one is. And yep. just the, the 
rev matching. Yeah. Like I never did it badly. I yeah. rev matched absolutely perfectly every single time. And I attribute that entirely to the car. And that's the two liter. Uh, yeah. Two liter yeah. four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was just, it was just great. It was such an awesome car. I was able to push it and, and match revs and just that feel was... totally natural in the car instantly. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that's a good car. This is a good car. Yeah. The ND is obviously amazing, but these are... There's something different. They're, they're, these are close enough, you know, yeah. that, I mean, if you're not accustomed to driving a Miata every day, you're like, yeah. oh, this is incredible. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a good car. How, how was the f- Nissan Frontier that you had as a rental? Um, it was... <laughs> Extremely truck? It was truck, yeah. yeah. The, the worst things about it uh, were, like, not having CarPlay. Wait, oh, did it have a screen, though? It had a screen, but no nav. So oh. with no CarPlay, I had to put my phone like against the gauges to, oh, to navigate because I'm constantly navigating <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and everything. Um, that was too bad. And also the turning radius was just abysmal. Here's the thing, because uh, we've been having a lot of jokes about this lately. Um, just this truck in particular, because people ask for, and we're transitioning here a little bit, but uh, you know, a good basic you know, utilitarian truck. And this is... Yeah, this is. But there's something kind of emotionless about it, and I think in part it's because it's styled like a 2005 Sentra. Uh, um, yeah. Well, so this I have a screenshot. This truck I think was introduced in like 2004. Wait, really? Yeah. Exactly. This generation. As it is? This generation. Holy shit. Okay. Because I was joking, it was 06, and I looked it up on Wikipedia, and it was earlier. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. Fine. Fine. Yeah. If only you know what there would probably be there. It would be less of a downer i think if they maybe of course this is nissan so they're going to do it but like apply some sort of retro styling to it if they're not going to change it for years on end Mm -hmm. at least just make it a styling exercise and it'll just be i mean they have a history of cool small trucks well and a history of like cool weird retro cars yeah why not make this one thing that you know is it's going to be around forever although they're all all Nissans are kind of around all forever, Nissan, yes. anyways. Uh, I, I, I'm, it's just kind of bewildering that they've just relegated it to basically rental fleet status as far as like upgrading goes. Yeah, yeah. I was not not totally impressed, uh, but it was that turning radius that was yeah. really frustrating. Yeah, and I was just in Seattle speaking of rental cars, and I had uh, an A220. And I had to think about that for a second because uh, when I you got... You called it an A45 earlier. I called it an A45. I, I, I went to... I rented from 6. And honestly, 6, if you're not renting from Toro, 6 probably is the best next go-to because it's a regular car rental agency. It's just limited. Like, they don't they don't think it's in Texas. It's only It's not in, in Texas. It's in Austin. It's in Austin. It's in uh, L.A., uh, not in Portland, in Seattle. So I rented, in, I was, I went up to Seattle. Anyway, so when I just want like a regular, regular rental car, I'll rent from them because, uh, you, you know, it. The same price, but you might price. get something good in the yeah, lottery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even though I always end up with a Volvo, some kind, which I won't go into because Kevin hates it when I go into Volvos. Uh, but you went into that Volvo for an extended yeah, amount of time. <laughs> whatever. Um. So. Yeah, I ended up with an A220, which is a replacement for You should have uh, parked CLA. it next to a Corolla just so I could see so the proportions. I can't exactly believe it. Exactly the same proportions. I cannot believe how bland this car is. Especially because I know it wouldn't sell here, but the A, like the a that, hatch is I, cool. Actually, when the person, the counter uh, representative, whatever you want to call them, uh, told me like, oh, okay, so we've got you uh, in an A220. I was like, oh, 
the hatchback. And then I remembered, oh, we don't get the hatchback. And it was just the sedan, the sedan, the CL, replacement for the CLA, which the CLA was not pretty, but uh, at least it was unique looking. Uh, and this, they've toned it down and it looks like a Corolla. It yeah. looks like a standard issue rental compact car. And I couldn't believe like this was a premium class car. I mean, it was fine. You know, it was, it had nice touches to it, but for the most part, uh, it was just very car. Was the interior better than like the CLA GLA? No, surprisingly, I think it's a downgrade really? a little bit. Yeah. Because especially because, uh, the car, it has been, the interior has been designed for the top spec and then they water down. Okay. Like, uh, say for instance, the dashboard, because now Mercedes does this like 24 inch wide double screen, uh, thing. And if you don't opt for whatever that is, premium tech package where you have like these 12 inch screens you instead get these like i'm guessing here but like these small square seven inch screens that float in 24 inches of shiny plastic bezel and it just feels so cheap yeah anyways it was fine it went it had like modes it had heated seats so uh, that's all I really cared about. And, yeah. but I don't understand buying that car now. Like CLA was an interesting proposition, uh, because it was literally like the revival of the baby Bims thing, mm-hmm. even if it, you know, was not, right. it didn't live up to, um, the legacy, but this truly is just a compact car. Cause it this might was as well... seen as better, like a step up when it was yeah, launched. In but theory, but people are just excited by new cars. No matter yeah, what, especially exactly. certain people. Oh yeah. As well. It, here's the thing. No one should buy this car. Just buy a nice Mazda 3. Buy a top-of-the-line yeah. Mazda 3. Probably the same price. You'll get more features, and it's yeah. probably a nicer interior. So yeah, that is my take on my rental A220. Formatic. Yeah. So, <laughs> was it formatic? It was formatic, wow. yeah. So, you, uh, How was that for, top fourth gear on the highway? Yeah. <laughs> The fourth car was amazing. Well, you only drove it for 50 miles, you said. I only drove it 50 miles because of the vacation setup. But yeah. anyways. I'm going to transition to a question we have. Go but on. I um, was thinking also, in Monterey, around, you yes. see a lot of everything. And yes. the McLaren, modern McLarens kind of get, you know, over overseen. And also GT3s and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's very, it, it's odd because you see so many G3s and so many colors mm-hmm. and most of them are paint to sample mm-hmm. and GT2s. And it's like, I don't know if there is a spec of GT2 that's actually like, that would be cool in Monterey that week because it's just, it's not it's special a, at all. Yeah, it's exactly. so new. Ever, it's so, like, so yeah. I think of that type of car, I yep. think, I think a speedster would be cool. Like a, like a, a interesting color speedster or yep. any speedster would still be special in that yeah. company. Um, and I think a GT3 Touring in like a muted color would always be classy. Oh, totally. You know, that, I think the GT3 Touring is just so cool. I did see a I few. Too. I saw like a purple one um, that was like dark, dark, like amethyst. Yeah. Amethyst. Yeah. Ooh, um, yeah, that's a good color. So that would be cool. I um, I, I was kind that... of fantasizing about a uh, if you could get a GT3 Touring mm-hmm. in, I think it's called Geyser Gray. Which is the fiftieth anniversary color? I don't, okay. know, I don't know if they that would do kind that of for you. Almost nardy, kind of beige, yeah, like kind of tan, okay. but like a gray tan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite chalk. Yeah, I did see a chalk and or crayon. I don't know the difference. Uh, GT three wing one on what the way you, over here. What do you think? I mean, like that versus a nine eleven 
are like one what do you think is cooler I think GT3 touring because I think the 911R like I just I hate so much what it well what represents. it became what it became but yeah. I still I if I had a choice between an, like if if means were there uh, and I had could choose between choose between a 911R and a GT3 touring I'd probably get a 911R but I love the in I'm infatuated with the idea of the GT3 touring I, I prefer I prefer like the fascia and the engine of the GT3 sure, touring because sure. it's the next generation yeah. Um, and it's, it is superior. So it, it just, I wish that, I mean, it was, there was, it had no chance of not blowing up into the thing that it did, the 911R. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the GT3 touring is now for me, the ultimate like 911 yeah. to have. Also, I think a lot of the 911Rs have stripes and that's not something I yeah. like. And it, it, uh, it but has, here's the thing, here's the thing right. is that it, they all, they should have stripes. Um, and when you don't get stripes, what was the point, I guess? Because some people will either have the stripes removed or somehow order them without stripes. Have you ever seen that? I've um, seen like a couple of them listed for sale. Where I'm sure I have, yeah. but I can't, I can't recall. Yeah. Anyways, so, but yeah. I'm on board with it. It did get that. me thinking of like, what is, as you would say, an aspirational car. Yeah. And I think, I think the most aspirational car, I'm going to say right now, and this yeah. connects to something we talked about before. Is I think like an orange Gallardo mm-hmm. Mark, like the first early Gallardo. Yeah, uh, I think it's so aspirational. It's a good car, and I loved them when they were new. But I think if you're driving out around Monterey, it like, just looks like oh, I am. I am very thirsty. That's like, bad. Yeah, it's it's very flashy, and everyone knows it's old, and it's not old enough to be cool. Yeah, um, I yeah. don't know, and and so it got me thinking, and I don't know if this is true, but. That's another factor that we never talked about. When we talked about when was there, like, was there ever a cheap Mira? And was there ever a time where a Mira was, like, aspirational? Like, even for a two-week period in, like, 1976. Oh, I'm sure. You know? Like, when Miras were, like, 15, 20, I don't know if they were actually but, that low, but. Yeah. Uh, when every car, when every car of it was note was old, a wedge. Because it was an old Lamborghini. It was an old thing. I mean, it's just the same thing with and Porsche. And it was such an old generation. Yeah. You know? And so yeah. there had to be a time where a Miro just looked like, oh, you're like the guy in the orange 2004 Gallardo at Monterey. But a lot of these cars, I mean, I wonder if the Countach yeah. even, oh, yeah. like, oh. had its, it, I mean, it was, Countach probably was never, like, bobbing the barrel, but, like, I'm sure there was a time when you could buy one for, like, 30, 40 grand, and it was just the old Lamborghini. And I guess that would have been, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe the uh, Countach was such an icon that it survived that. It was pretty limited. I mean, the Mira was too, but the Countach, because it was around for yeah, so long. Yeah, but same thing with old Ferraris. Like a GTO at one point may have been. Uh, I mean, it always valued, I suppose, but like maybe just revered by a small enough. Yeah. You know, group of people where like values just weren't there. Right. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. But aspirational cars. Um, what about like, well that, so you're going into the supercar territory, although Gallardo is now probably 50, 60 grand. I don't know. Oh yeah. Something like that. Um, and I, I do like the design. I mean, I love the facelift Gallardo, probably the best, the like 2008. I agree with you. When it didn't have pink taillights. On that. And then we're talking about like in that range and probably... Aston Martins, like a like a DB7, is in that range. If not cheaper, actually, it's probably mm-hmm. in the upper thirties at this point. Is probably really an automatic DB7 is probably. You think that's aspirational? Maybe. No. No. No, because it's 
It's not. No, I mean, an AM V8 all day long. I'll sure. say that's aspirational. But the type of person that's buying it just for the badge is also not buying a DB7 because it's such a like old man's car. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I don't know. Like, like something that's like cheap and flashy. I mean, definitely our Carreras and SCs were probably aspirational in like 1995. Yeah. Anything, you know? that, anything that was forward dated. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, which like those were to 993s. Uh, and beyond. Um, what about like normal? Like, what is the aspirational car of today that's accessible? Not even, not talking about special cars, I guess, uh, or quote unquote special cars. But like, you put in this. By the way, your line item is not non infinity <laughs> oh, aspirational. Oh yeah, aspirational. Cars. Yeah, infinity. I mean, that the whole brand is the entire brand aspirational. As is, I like literally. I went to the gym today and. I only mentioned the place because I feel like that factors in. I was parked like sandwiched between absolutely trashed like a G thirty seven and a G thirty in a God. in a G thirty five sedan. And I hate that. We're being a little bit snobby, but of course, but still it's true. Like you for the money, I don't you know, however it works out that you end up in an infinity in the same way that you end up in an Acura. Uh or that you could also be in a Genesis, but you're not. I bet you Genesis buyers are extremely discerning. I'm not even just promoting our friend's brand right, that he works right. for, but that you probably have someone who just wants a discreet quality yeah. experience. Yeah, a good car that's well-made that's yeah. not about the badge, that's not about yeah. presenting but something. The thing is, it is Ac- I mean, Ac- apparently Acura and Infinity are still badges to wear yeah. um, as... A, a someone who is supposedly up and coming. I think with certain people, like uh, the coupes, especially like the G thirty seven coupe, was seen as a cool car. Yeah. With certain people at a certain time. Oh yeah, um, but that's a, a, the Q thirty or Q uh G thirty five was a good car. Yeah. Like that was cool, and in, I don't think necessarily aspirational, maybe a little bit. Uh, but at some point they crested over that. Maybe mm-hmm. it was when the models should have died and they didn't and they kept yeah. selling them at the same price and people were still buying them. Yeah. Meaning that they proved that all you need is a badge. Yeah. But even Mercedes, like, you know, this, I mean, I'll argue that the A220 is an aspirational car because it's no nicer than a, you know, domestic or Japanese brand compact car, but people will buy it. Right. Um, and option is it with a pick? light up star. No, I'm going to say Ghibli. All day long. I'm going to say Ghibli or like an 05 Range Rover. No. I, you know what? I don't see Range Rovers as aspirational, even though they're like plentiful in uh, buy here, pay here lots, only because I don't think they have survived well enough. As in, like, if it's at a buy here, pay here lot, it's sitting on its flattened suspension, (laughs) not to be purchased. Uh, But I think you, you're, on it with uh, eh, oh man that's hard I don't know I mean as far as a new car Ghibli all Ghibli day long. is all day long yeah that's true because that is the least that's the least special my mom will still tell me like oh I saw Maserati because it, it the name is the so name. special because if if you grew up oh, what a if shame. you grew up in like Isn't older it? times it was like you saw Maserati like once a year like yeah. we grew up in a time where Maserati literally didn't exist they didn't exist for decades and then like, but people older than us saw Maserati and, as like you know these yeah, exotic and racing cars the, and then they come back as like rebadged alphas yeah things and, and the original new quattroporte was 
interesting. Yeah. I won't say it was pretty, but it was interesting. And yeah. then now it is just like, they sound good, mm-hmm. but they are trash. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I would absolutely much rather have an alpha, which I, would I really like. I like the styling and the performance is incredible. That's interesting that alpha is not an aspirational brand, even though it's probably the most exotic, as, uh, like the most exotic accessible brand. Like yeah. that you could have. It's Italian. It sounds I think good. It's, I think it's all in how they did the execution. Like I think they yeah. did. I mean, obviously the reliability is you know mm, questionable. Yeah. Whatever, whatever that is. Yeah. Whatever. We're not consumer but, reports here. But uh, yeah. But I mean, I think just the way that they've styled the car and they aim for high performance yeah, targets. Like they actually tried to deliver on what see, the brand is about. So they've exceeded basically any other. That alpha. is curious. Other than the fact that maybe Infinities to a certain extent aren't as sellable, and so they're discounted. Like. You could be in a um, you could be in a very basic Alpha sedan, and it will be just as much as a an Infinity. Why not go for the Alpha? Yeah, especially if you're leasing or I whatever. Mean, I think with certain people, I mean, there's a, just as there was. Just as there was no Maserati in our childhood, there was also we we were car enthusiasts. So we know about Alpha, but I right. mean, there's entirely people that I could I could do a man on the street at my gym, and no one sure. knew what an Alfa Romeo yeah, was. Yeah. You know, whereas Infinity was always a luxury brand. Yeah, that was maybe seemed as less of a dad car than just a Lexus. Accessible. I guess it's just you know? better than it's just maybe a better than proposition where like depending on your level of car interest, it's not even an economic thing. It's just a it's just a, you don't care what you drive. It's better than a Nissan. Just like a Lexus is better than a Toyota. In but I think for a lot of people, if you're... Theory, not necessarily actually. Yes, but if you're like a 29-year-old person that wears uh, muscle shirts, say, there is not a Lexus that has spoken to you yeah. for 20 years. So, you you know, there is not something for you. So, it's like th- those cars, it's not a matter of okay. Lexus being better than Infiniti. It's like Infiniti makes a sports coupe. Lexus does I, not do that. What is attainable, you I'm know? I'm revise most aspirational car. Every hard top cabriolet that was based off of a coupe <laughs> is aspirational because they do not look good and no one can argue. I don't... Terrible they and look flawed. Good. Yeah, I don't think it's aspirational. Really? I, I don't think so. I think some people think like I in this maybe in the sense that it's like like I'm gonna lose weight next year. It's like I will use this convertible top. I just think that people think of convertible like how many convertibles are there in Houston and no one actually uses them because it's stupid to use a convertible in Houston because it's 190 degrees every day, mm-hmm. and so you bought it because it it looks like the most expensive version of a car I, that you can I buy. I don't know. I think people just I think people just get optimistic without with a convertible like oh this will be. This like this will be cool. I think I think in practice, especially I think people that are buying a hardtop convertible, like have four door hardtop convertible, like have not okay. have not or I, not four door. I mean, say four seat hardtop convertible. I just ran. A, I came across a photo that I sent you like years ago. Uh, it was a G thirty seven, a hardtop uh, cabriolet uh, convertible. They don't mm-hmm. call it cabriolet, uh, and the license plate said hardtop. <laughs> And that is an edge case. That's not normal. I don't know. I think that was a, a view into the psyche. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Because um, then you look at like, okay, here's a here's a philosophical question. Sure. Maybe. Okay. Cross cabriolet. The evoke, Nissan. Yeah. Evoke uh, cabriolet. Mm-hmm. All these cars are they aspirational? 
I don't know. I mean, they're just oddballs. It's they're hard to see where they factor in. And it almost, but here's the thing. They're expensive. Yeah. They're like 40 grand. Well, the cross Cabriolet is 40 grand. I think the uh, Evoque is way more than that. But um, is that aspirational in the sense that like it was just the most expensive version of a thing that you No one was buy. buying that because it's the most expensive Murano. Well, true, true. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, But convertibles are viewed as exotic and not necessarily as like, oh, I just love open air driving. I think especially in a southern climate like that is not true Mm -hmm. uh and i get mad i get upset i will get mad but i'll get upset when i see it's like reasonably nice weather and people's convertible tops are like sealed shut with the ac on blast i mean that was me sometimes when i had when i daily drove a boxster because i felt judged i did feel judged you know i realized later and this is something everyone else knows that Mm -hmm. i didn't know is like when you really when you have a convertible most people have, that's the reason most people have a convertible as a yeah. second car because you can just you can just use it when yeah. you want to like i if you had a 911 cabrio as a as a third car it yeah. would, actually that'd be okay sure. with me because you could just use it when it's nice enough to use that's when you'd use it and you wouldn't use it the other times but i was daily driving a car and if it was reasonably nice i was like i don't want to bother i don't want to like deal with this i don't yeah. want to you know what i don't want to leave it in the garage and have giant gigantic bugs get into it yeah. uh which happened to me which has happened. so um yeah, I did feel judged, but yeah, I was daily driving a, a convertible boxer, and I, like, I knew like if it w- if it was nice out, like I knew I was being judged. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when you're daily driving a car, like sometimes you're just not in the mood to put the top down when it's nice when you're just commuting. Maybe, but well, here's I'm, I'm coming or from a or not only that because not only that I'm another another thing is like, I think convertibles are terrible on the highway in a oh, city. Yeah. Oh, totally. Beautiful weather, no matter. Yeah. It's so much tire noise yeah. from the F three fifty next to you. Yeah, that's true. It's Although, the tire noise. It's I'm not a, anything else. I'm a windows down kind of driver. Like I don't mind. I mean, I don't like. You get on the highway twice a year. Whatever. Okay. But um, I'm I open up the panel roof in the wagon any chance I get, even mm-hmm. if it's just slightly hot. So long as it's not direct sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the idea of open air driving. I'll never own a convertible. Maybe, okay. maybe. Yeah. Um, I actually, I'm still on the idea of, as I am on many ideas, but uh, an E36 M3 Cabriolet, I think would be super cool. Yeah. Like, cause it's meant to be a putter around town. Right. Kind of weekend, whatever. But um, I, I, maybe that's why I view convertibles as aspirational when I, especially when I see that people aren't using the convertible part of the car is because any chance I get where it is at least not insanely uncomfortable, I will have the windows down. I'll have the sunroof open. And when I had the Cayman, I missed having a sunroof. Like, uh, because I just, I like the sensation of on occasion glancing to the side and seeing the, the, the sky like whiz by me. Uh, like when we had that, when we we're each time we had a boxster in LA, I drop the top anytime. That's LA we got, weather. I know, whatever. But still, anyways, doesn't matter. Um, also, the the sides come up so high on that car. They do. That it's, it's basically a like uh, got a roof no matter what. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah the, I'm gonna I'm gonna restate the highway thing is a big thing for me because if if I'm going to go on a highway yeah. in my journey, like when I used to commute downtown, yeah, it was 
it I really didn't like being a convertible on the highway. I didn't mind that. Down. I actually kind of like it. I like I like the roar. I like when it's at night and there's not as many cars on the road, but yeah. sitting like it's just not. If you're driving, yeah. especially you go under an overpass. Yeah. There's like a couple on I-10 that are even bigger than even like wider than normal overpasses. Yeah. And it just it gets four times as loud when you yeah. go under when you hear the roar of every tire and it's all there. Um I have one more thing. I know we're wrapping up here, but I have one more thing about the yes. uh, transmission. And this is something everyone else probably realized oh recently yes. about dual clutch. But I sort of made this connection because they just announced it was a couple of weeks ago. Topics here, yeah. Switching topics. The so the Corvette C8, which we were, we talked about a few weeks ago. Yes. They said it's not going to have a manual. Like I thought, oh, maybe it will have a manual later. And yeah. they said basically there's not room in the pedal box. Yeah. The way that it is. Cab forward design. Yep. Uh, there is not room in the pedal box for a third pedal. Yeah. And then the Supra, they said the same thing. Yep. And uh, it just made me realize that, like, we, it, it's just happening. It's all happening. It's all happening very fast where sure. the manual is going away. And we were, when we had our purgatory of SMG transmissions, we didn't know how good we had it because right. that was basically the same transmission with a different actuation. So yeah. it's, it was relatively inexpensive to develop both Yep. to have a yep. manual and an SMG. And sure. now it's like dual clutch. Like you would make a choice and well, it's like, there is no, there's no going back. I really, really thought with the Supra and I'm not like complaining, but I really thought they're going to announce a manual in two years. Cause they hinted at it. Well, you would think because like the Supra was a car enthusiast targeted exercise, in which case you shouldn't worry about whether it's the fastest, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera you'll just have a manual option because the purists want it. But I, so you posed that question, that question about whether DCT dual clutch transmissions are making uh, manuals go away. And then I added like, and does it matter? And I'm, I, I mean, like I have two manual cars uh, and I enjoy, I daily one. I enjoy puttering around town with a manual. Um, but also, I understand, too, the move away from, especially if you are in a sports car that is meant to be fast and track-oriented. It's different if it's meant to be, like, a fields car, but a sensification car. I don't think the Supra car. is that fast. It's not, I agree. It's not as much okay. power I'll say, as the... I'll say it's weird that the Supra may not come with a manual. And the ever. Corvette is naturally aspirated. And which it would, it would really benefit from a manual. I mean, yeah. yeah if you if you say, oh, I want a, a manual for a Ferrari forty eight with like seven hundred turbocharged say horsepower, on that's the Corvette not front, enjoyable. I'll say, I bet you it's because it's just cheaper. It's how they make their price point. Is yeah, it, it is. It is because they only have to produce an engineer one transmission. Well, like now. the Alpine, you know, a um, totally blanking. It's the two twenty a one ten. Yeah, yeah, a one ten. It's uh, they basically say like we don't have a lot of budget here it's yeah. one or the other and yeah. and people people yeah. are gonna buy at the end the of the DCT. day right and so i'm like okay but but um and i think with all of them they face that choice but it just i you know we all bitched about the smgs and the actuated clutches yeah and then when they went away it's like oh that our manuals sunk with that ship yeah because they it's it's not coming back and it's not i, I don't know it's I, just crazy i don't know how now, anyone can look at what porsche does and then yeah. say we're gonna abandon that Manuals now, I mean, like, it'll never work out financially, but, like, could be a, uh added option that you pay extra for because the manufacturer has to pay for the added engineering involved with it. Right. And I say, is it, I, I don't want to be boxed in, like, 
I mean, everyone, manuals are good. Manuals are good. Like, they enhance the car driving experience, depending, obviously, on mm-hmm. what you're trying to do with it. I mean, like... I drove a bad manual recently. I'll talk to you okay. offline about it. But, you know, a McLaren on a track with a fast-shifting transmission, it, it does it. It allows you to be more of a hero. It allows you to elevate your skill, in theory, because you don't have to worry about that Yeah, well, when pedal. you get to a certain performance threshold... Yeah. You don't want to take your hands off the wheel. Like, I get that. But, I mean, in a Corvette, the base Corvette with yeah. less than 500 horsepower, naturally aspirated, it's not like you have boost that's coming on. Like, it, yeah. it would benefit from a manual for, for driving. I mean, if, if, why have a sports car if you don't want to feel anything? I, well, that's the question. I think that's the question of uh, the ages now. Like, what is the point of a sports car? What is current technology? Most cars now have electric power steering most cars have faster than you can feel acceleration like in the sports arena like we're kind of moving into this robotic territory of like slowly like our the way that we sense things it can only go so fast and, and cars are, are going this, so fast now. We are, you and I are seeing this curmudgeons because we're not welcoming this age of I know. faster, number cars. And you know what? If you want to drive you know, a car from a video game, like if your car is just so freaking fast that uh, you can't even think about it, but it doesn't matter because your car would drive for you, right. basically. And, 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 that's, and that's totally cool. And you can have that. You can have those cars. But like we always thought there'd still be stuff like the Miata and stuff. Yeah. And the I, I mean, in the scale of... GT, if you have a sliding scale of, okay, yeah. McLaren 720S and a Miata, I think the the Supra is firmly closer to the Miata as far as performance level. I would and for agree. It, for it to not have a manual, I would agree. it's like, and what is the I point? I wonder if the point, or what it was, is, I wonder if the Z4 has... I think the Z4 is a manual in Europe with the small engine. Hmm. Okay. They have a four-cylinder that we're not getting, and it may, you can get a manual with that. I was curious that. about that. And maybe, again, that it was a price point thing. Like, yeah. the, the Supra couldn't be an $80,000 car, and so in order to make it work, they just had to suck it up and make it auto-only. Yeah, well, I think also the manual, like, the four-cylinder Supra in Europe has less power, like like mm. five less horsepower than the BRZ. So I think yeah. that was a oh, stumbling mm. block. Yeah, that is a bit of an issue. Uh, but yeah, I, it is killing it. doesn't matter for, obviously, for manufacturer profitability. It does not matter. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't mean to get into a whole manual debate, but I just thought it was interesting that like we com- we all complained about the SMGs, and the SMGs basically probably extended the manual for longer because it's like... SMG sure. was it's so a, close to a manual. Yeah, it's an automated manual. And, and now, now that the now that automated manuals are gone, it's like, oh, yeah. that was that was the last ship. Yeah, the last automated manual that mattered to me was the Saab Sonic <laughs> clutchless manual. Uh, we should find one and test drive it. I would love to, but they're all like uh, ash in hmm. a landfall by now. I am certain of that. Um, but. Whether, was that a three matic? Yeah, I think it was a three matic. I that was what was Porto matic? Was that three or four? I have no idea. Have we'll no look idea. this up. We'll, we'll put look it in this the notes. Up, but it'll be in the notes. Yeah. If you scroll down, you'll see how many speeds Porto was. But summary is that DCT is making uh, manual trans. They're they're going away just because manual manual transmissions are just an added expense to engineer for. And now it doesn't matter because they're not more fuel efficient. They aren't faster, and it's not marketable. Except to people like us, or and those people who paid a million dollars for nine eleven R's. Yeah, I don't know how you ignore that, but you know. Yeah, exactly. Like 
the ultimate, like to, <laughs> I mean, and they, they kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit there where it's, we're probably in the last generation of people who are going to value um, like a, that type of driving experience so much that you will pay that much mm-hmm. to just have that in a modern car because I, it probably isn't going to matter as much in the future. So yeah. anyways, not to get nostalgic um, because we are still here in the present and we both have manual cars that we can enjoy. They go slow as hell. Yes. All of them. Um, I drove the Speedster. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a manual and it was fast. And it was fast, yeah. But our own personal cars are slow as hell. Yes. Um, and my automatic, the one automatic I have, is also slow as hell, and as is yours. So yes. we just live, we live uh, life in the... Uh, <laughs> my, my automatic is a CVT. <laughs> Awful. Mine's a four-speed with... Oh, you got four-matic. Mine's a three-speed with... Uh, is it? Oh, I think it's a... Well, it's a four-speed, but I think oh, fourth is overdrive. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, to another episode of New for 96. Uh, follow us on Instagram at New, new for 96. 96. Um, Send yeah. us an email. New for 96 spelled out at Gmail. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.